0: You drink? I hey, beg your pardon.
1: I asked you if you drink.
0: Whatever's said in front of me doesn't have to be wholesome just so long as it's strong. <laughs> well, pop up a beer or a cold
1: libation. I can tell you how I wrote this little thing. I went and took a call from brother Jason and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast and I asked him what you got. He said I'll start off with some talking and some moody clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some proudness exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxing full we'll month or movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on, Contest and the push you know it's all about games. I said slow down, let's just start with the name, it's The nerd. with the other Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host Jason. Today on November 24th, American Thanksgiving, I have a special treat for you. I'm joined by Anthony, also known as Rune Slinger of the Casting Shadows blog, YouTube channel, podcast media empire (laughs) don't i wish (laughs) how are you doing this morning anthony
0: pretty good excellent Uh, our thanksgiving here in korea was early in september and i'm a canadian so that was october and uh, this is three opportunities to think about all the food i'm missing
1: yeah well well, that's why i wanted to specify american thanksgiving because you you know it's pretty specific holiday and i have an international audience for for the folks at home this is being recorded ahead of time we're, we're not actually recording the morning of the 24th but you know hopefully you're listening to this sometime you know after the 24 the 24th or after but we th- this month i've been doing noir november i've been talking about noir films film noir about games that are designed to emulate those films and anthony's reached out to me And a couple times, and we decided we would have a little talk maybe about a couple films, talk about some RPGs, about maybe ways to try to succeed if you want to do a noir game. So, right on, on. where where, where we I I guess we should start with the films. I I guess that's the place to start. Um, so have you seen any good films lately? (laughs)
0: Lately, yeah, just a few hours ago, I watched a film, I'm not sure. Now that I've seen it, how noir I feel it was. Mm -hmm. But it's from 1947. I'm not going to remember all the people who were involved in it. A lot of the the names and faces were new to me, but the film itself was called uh, Roses Are Red. Mm -hmm. And the description of the film would be um, about uh, two gentlemen from different strata of society, who look very much alike, one of whom is a district attorney, and the other of whom has just gotten out of prison and considers himself an actor. And from that, we move into um, a pretty fast-moving film. You've seen it?
1: I No, I have. I can I can kind of guess where maybe it's going <laughs> just from other films that have no doubt and taken. To, so initially, when, when you posted that, I looked at a synopsis of it is streaming here on uh, one of the channels I, I've got. So I do plan on watching. I haven't seen it. Initially, I was thinking, well, you know, that sounds like the like the glass key. But, but I, right. I didn't watch it. But, but now that you mention that, I mean, how many films do we have where somebody has to impersonate somebody? Which sounds maybe where yeah. we're going. here. So
0: that yeah, one way or another. But uh, I wasn't sure if I wanted to watch it until I watched it. Like I, you know, I hit play and said, you know, you've got five minutes film and uh, it, it got me just in the, in the outing, just how it was shot. You know, the, the camera is mobile. It's not, um, it's not over shoulder uh, repeat shots. uh, And, it's definitely in full loving embrace of the Hayes code, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, but kind of with a knowing wink, uh, into the camera lens, and, and uh, it's all right. Wow, well, right. so that's that's one I've seen recently.
1: So, so I watched it's funny because there's so many of these things that are titled, or you know, if you go and you search and they're, they're market as film noir now, and of course, I, I don't. I don't even, I haven't, you know, I haven't researched. I don't, I don't know when that term originated. I i don't think they were marketed that way at the time. Um, They, they might've been.
0: Right. But, this one was listed as crime noir in yeah. more places than it was listed as, as film noir. And you, of course you ask yourself, what's the difference, but. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. And. There's, so i yeah i don't know when the term was coined so well well of course noir is a, a french term right and, and so we go back to French cinema and, and and this is a lot of the influence not just French but also a Germanic influence on on American cinema is as we get people from those countries coming over here and you know a lot of the directors and 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 people involved behind the camera you you know with expression this yeah, expressionism or the German expressionist movement I'm probably saying that not quite right but but, but I think you yeah, yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and, and so all, all that came over here, but I don't, I don't know when actually, you know, the title film noir was, was coined for these series of films, but there are a lot of ones that don't seem to quite like, I watched one today, the house on telegraph Hill from 1951. Mm-hmm. And, and, in and, in, in this one you have a, yeah, it opens up in a concentration camp in Germany. And and there's a lady there and she basically, she, she, she has a friend in the concentration camp who's, family in america's kind of wealthy she had sent her child over there when hostility started but she didn't get out they're, they're polish they're both polish and her friend dies and she ends up taking her friend's identity and coming back to america to to assume <clears> that to you, you know kind of take her place and, and it kind of goes and then it gets into to some a, a plot of with, with some um i don't want to ruin it if people and watch it but it's I, I don't know how much of a noir movie it is, because when I think of noir, you know, it's not always private eyes and it's not always gangsters or criminals. Right. But generally, it's the average person kind of it, or it's what's well, either one of those things or it's the average person thrust into something. Right. Right. And and this one isn't and, really that. but. And I think
0: another aspect is the everything, the things you see on the screen are not necessarily there for purposes of realism. Mm-hmm. They're suggesting to you the the darkness or the ambiguity that's lurking, or right that sort and, of stuff.
1: It's and this one did a little bit of that, but I I watched another film today in in preparation for this because I I watched this The House on Telegraph Hill, which which is an interesting little film, but I I don't know how much it really is noir. But I watched another one, an Orson Welles Orson Wells film that you may right. have seen called the The Lady from Shanghai, that right. Is very much a film noir. It, you know, it with Rita Hayworth. In fact, it's a, it's a, it's a really amazing film. It's a, it's a great film, 1947 film. That unfortunately, you know, he had some disagreements in the studio. They cut like an hour of his rough cut <laughs> out of it. The, the, there's a, a famous sequence at the end. They're in a like a funhouse. It, it, you know, like like a carnival funhouse kind of thing. And, you know, originally he had planned that to be a 20 minute sequence and three minutes are in the film.
0: <laughs> yeah, He had some. Uh, yeah, but it always makes me want to watch Touch of Evil.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. That's the other big Orson Welles noir film. Right. I, I think both these are. And, you know, he Orson Welles gets a, a lot of flack for going over. He's famous for going over budget and, and all. But this film actually was under budget before the studio demanded re, reshoots. So if they had sure. done what he had shot, it would have been under budget in early. But because they demanded reshoots, it took like another year to finish it and it went way over budget. Which is tales hard. of Hollywood
0: are just as twisted as the noirs that they were trying to make. It, I think.
1: But... Oh, oh, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, L- Lady from Shanghai is one I would heartily recommend. Or Orson Welles is a he's a sailor and he he gets caught up with with, with a he you know he he sees R- Rita Hayworth on the street and he kind of saves her from being <laughs> mugged or, or so it seems you wonder if that was all set up or not, but he, um, right. anyway, kind of falls for her and she offers him a job on her yacht and he turns her down. Then her husband comes to offer him that job. And then of course, intrigue ensues from there.
0: And, <laughs> He's in like Flynn at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, But but there are definitely things in that you could adapt for RPGs. There, there are situations in that movie. Um, Right, you, you know the the situation he gets embroiled in, and again, folks, go watch the movie. It's it's well worth it, and, and that final sequence, at the Carnival definitely would would be great to do an RPG. Right. So another one
0: uh, I think that can spin out like that or or uh, expand from a, an
1: easy concept like that is Key Largo. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, um, Key, Key Largo is an amazing movie. Um,
0: Draw directly from the character that the person wants to play. You know, they mm-hmm. they make a char- an honor genre character, and then spin off from whatever it is they're trying to resolve or or fix. Or because uh, Key Largo is really just a just a chance to talk to your buddy's family. That's <laughs> and and things go awry from from right.
1: There. Of course, that has the power couple. Couple of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren McCall in there, you know. Right. Um, but, it, but it also has the wonderful Edward G. Robinson, who I'm always happy Oh, right. He he's yeah. got that face that's just. He's he's actually a really good actor. I I really yeah. like Robinson, but, he, but just that iconic, iconic face that of course we see in so many the the Bugs Bunny cartoons, and and he's kind of satirized. <laughs> and and so in that's our first, it, yeah. Which our is kind of does. a shame. But yeah, he's a.
0: For us, yeah, for our generation, he's he's caricature, I think, before he's character.
1: Right, but but, but when you watch him in these films, because I've seen a number of these films with him in, and, and he's a consistently good actor. Yeah, he, he really very is. much powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I think he's at the height of his power in, in Key Largo, but it, yeah. it might be that that was the first real film I saw him in, and uh, <laughs> not
1: Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> could Could be, could be. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's pretty great. Um, of course he was in a lot of gangster movies. You know, like Little Caesar, and, and of course Key Largo. He's he's a gangster in Key Largo. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah and, he's and, the evil, the unconflicted evil. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 he's a number like he's in Double Indemnity, which is one of the, you, you know, right. when you say noir, that's one of the films you think of. That like DoA, you know, right? Some, some of these other right films. out of the gate, yeah really so it's good. been fun
0: here and you talk about them this month and uh you know, go over here uh there's uh you have to pretty much join a, a film club or whatever to get into talking about such old movies mm-hmm. they you know they don't stream here and uh, so you have to really you know go out and buy them yourself I have my shelf of of Noirs so I'm watching the same ones over and over again right most of the time
1: yeah they're, they're, wh- I'm very fortunate, you know, over here in, in America, we've got more streaming services than you can shake a stick at. Um, and I mean, honestly, we we do. And and there's like the Criterion Channel is great because all, all those the great films that, that they put out on DVD and Blu-ray now that, you know, that they stream, they rotate what they stream. They don't have the whole catalog online at once right, like Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. But but they have a number of them up there like that. They, they have 40 some noirs up this month. You you know to watch, which is great. Um, I'm hoping that
0: it will, it will appear here. Everything eventually comes, but Mm -hmm. uh, not yet for the Criterion Collection. Yeah. But uh, when you were talking about neo noirs, this Mm -hmm. uh, in this past, I because I haven't decided if I think this is a noir or or a self referentially noir film, but uh, Bogart again in a lonely place.
1: It's a, yeah. Um I it's a good question. Well, I I don't I, I mean it is self referential to some degree, right? But I right. I think it qualifies um as a true noir. Um you, you know, I've never read Oh no, it was it was a, yeah, it was based on a novel. It was based on a 47 novel. I've never read the novel. Yeah. So so, so I'm not sure um how much they've changed and how much they haven't. But the, right. yeah, I mean, this whole, but, but yeah, you wonder because it is so tied into Hollywood and the idea of screenwriting and the idea of, you, you, you know, yeah. Right. It's it, very meta. Right. 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 A yeah. book. So written by an author. about I'm not an book.
0: author. <laughs> right. <laughs> who's, right. Who's tied in with all the, the suggested low life nature of, of Hollywood. Who has kind of a dark secret, but within him also has great kindness and affection. Right. And what happens when he's pushed? You know, it's got, it's kind of, it's really powerful film. It's Bogart, man. I mean, he's like, it's, he's in the room with you, even
1: though it's, it's black and white. and, and... Right. It's no, it's a, it's a great one. Um, it, I, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with Bogart, isn't it? He's right. <laughs> He, he he was such a great actor, um, but but and, and you mentioned the Hays Code. You, you know the Hays Code definitely taught it. It it just made the the director. It made these these filmmakers be so creative. You, totally. you know, when you think about it, because they had to work around it. And
0: like the the movie I watched last night, uh, "Roses Are Red." There is a there's an on screen murder, which is rare. You yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So usually there's a, we see the gun and we're looking at the gunman and then the gun goes off, bang. And then we cut, you know, we do a smash cut or a flash cut to someone holding their, their guts, right? We don't see any blood or any, or any wound or torn clothing or anything like that. And they grab their guts and they fall over mm-hmm. or they're already on the ground kind of thing. But this one, we see the gunman leaning into a hallway and we see our victim in the reflection of French doors. And so we see the shot and we see the fall reflected. It's just distorted enough that there's no actual violence shown on screen. You
1: know mm-hmm.
0: or that no gun violence shown on screen. But right. there's definitely gun violence shown on screen. It's genius. You know, I loved it.
1: Yeah, yeah it's it, it, I and I do think that's a reason that to be a and there's nothing wrong with neo noirs at, at all. I I love a, a number of those. You know, I think they're great movies, but I I think that that being restricted by the Hayes Code does make the noir its own thing, and, and being black and white makes it you know really is a product of of its time, and that post World War II you know it's it's hard to but that's why some of the films in the seventies really do fit in that very well right noir films because you have that you know the country's not in the exact same place but you know we we've got people coming back from war from war we have a you know reasons people are disillusioned with the government which wasn't right. as much after world war ii but there were other reasons for disillusionment after that and so yeah. you know america was kind of in the you know the same kind of place in certain ways
0: well um, even on into the 80s really i mean mm-hmm. like i don't know how much you remember magnum pi oh yeah yeah
1: have you watched it like recently Yeah, it's probably been a decade since i've since i've watched because yeah. if
0: The first season and a bit is a totally different show. You know, it's damaged Vietnam War, bit. it doesn't have the Mm -hmm. iconic music. It lacks most of the humor. Um, You know, Brick's underworld ties are Mm -hmm. significantly underworld ties. And and there's a a lot of, of anger and soul searching in that, which is still a part of the later seasons. But under you know, it's it's like mash. It uses the mm-hmm. the comedy as a delivery mechanism for for getting people to think about um, what's going on with these people. But it's really kind of interesting that that switch and what that show could have been if TV were ready <laughs> right <laughs> ready for a, a one hour noir every mm-hmm. every Thursday night.
1: Yeah, I have to re- revisit that. Um, yeah, I mean the what. Well, it's like when they, I don't know if you ever watched the, the, the Mike Hammer show with Stacey Keach. Yeah. Which was really interesting because they decided to put it, at least in the later seasons, they said it in the, because I think the later seasons were late 80s, early 90s when, when they're filmed. And they said it in the late 80s, early 90s, but he was a character yeah. out of the 40s or 50s. Right out of the 40s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, fedora, you know, long coat, everything yeah. and, and act, talk like, you know, but he was in the 90s. <laughs> It was yeah, really interesting show. The way they did, it. which Keach was really good in in the role. He if was you're wrong, yeah.
0: but he yeah. That's how I think of Keach. Actually, is as is as Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you know Keach is an interesting actor too. And I, I know we're going off a of diverging here, but he's actually you know when you look like the uh, was it the ninth configuration? You know, uh, mm-hmm. William Blatty's sequel to the exor- actual sequel to the Exorcist, meant to be. Right. Um. He, he's really good in that. Um. It, when he he did a miniseries, I haven't seen it since it was on TV. Must it must have been the eighties they did a miniseries where he's Hemingway? Um, no, this I don't know. Hemingway, yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't seen it since then. I, I remember it being good. At the, I mean, you know, who knows? It's been yeah, Clear so enough. but uh, yeah. So what do you look
0: for in a noir? What what is essential there? You where you don't doubt you've been exposed.
1: It's tough, right? So, I, 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 think you need a twist of some sort. You, 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 need to have some kind of tragedy in there, or some kind of the maybe not tragedy is the wrong word, but the situation's out of hand, out of control, and and mm-hmm. characters are grasping to get control, try to get control. You know, maybe successfully, right. maybe unsuccessfully. But, 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 I think there's a desperateness that needs to be there, right. Um, and, in, in, you know, a, a black and white haze clo- Code. Uh, so a good example could be, what is it? Desperate Hours? Is it Desperate? I'm not uh, getting that confused.
0: Down. Bogart. Um, I think that's right. Is a criminal on the run who does a home invasion. And our plucky Des- housewife has to, yeah, Desperate Hours. Yeah. That's
1: me. it. Yeah. Yeah. 55. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Yeah, I I think yeah, because it is a it's not just a crime genre. It often is crime films, but it's not always. You you know, um, right? No, it's a so so. How do we bring that to gaming?
0: (laughs) I mean, how has has it traditionally been brought to gaming? Is is the trappings of it? You know, Mm -hmm. to to talk about things in like Savage Worlds terms. So it makes Savage Worlds so good for genre emulation. Is it? it lays it out pretty bald for you, right? The the trappings yeah. of the particular genre that you're looking for. And, uh, and that's going to be filtered through your own group. So then you wind up working with an idiom of noir. So it really is your take on noir, right? So is that fedoras and trench coats and rain and, or is it the, um, the broken characters? Mm-hmm. Or you know the the characters who are in a in a lonely place to borrow from the movie title, All right? Because of something that they're not doing, right? The their inability to move past a certain decision, mm-hmm. or their inability to um, to fix something that they know that they did wrong, or you know this this
1: kind of stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I think like, that would work. So. Key Largo
0: um, is, is that cool mm-hmm. example with Edward G. Robinson is villainy. And the Lauren Bacall character is that dreamed for life. That that the main character likely feels that they don't deserve. They've come back from war. They've done things that they're, they're not proud of. They don't know who they are anymore. They don't know what to do with life. They're just drifting. Um, and uh, that movie forces, like Edward G. Robinson, is the is in the mirror darkly into which the Bogart character has to has to gaze. Um, so it's like one end of noir for me. Whereas something like The Maltese Falcon, where uh, there's just as much, maybe more, ambiguity and self doubt and self reflection and self hatred, but it's spread evenly through a very villainous cast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well yeah i, I mean Monty's falcon is whether intentionally or not not i i think to, intentionally it is a lighter film you, you, mm-hmm. you know now now it's got dark themes in it don't get me wrong and when you start thinking about it right. they're there but but because of the wisecracks and 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 because of the, yeah. the kind of characters in there you, you know i i think that you feel the tension more in key largo than you do in and the Definitely. Maltese Falcon is more of a fun ride than, not, not the Key Largo is not an enjoyable film because it is, but it but but I think there's more of a power. it's more personal. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't
0: think most viewers are going to relate to Spade.
1: Mm-hmm. Right
0: there, there, there are aspects of him that people are maybe going to admire. But uh, yeah, the and it bears. You can watch Key Largo once and it, it will indelibly you know press itself on your memory. You can watch Maltese Falcon again and again and again for the things that are hidden in it. Mm-hmm. And uh but
1: uh quite a tough guy. Mr. There ain't no such thing. No such thing as the tough guy. What's a tough guy? I don't know. A guy with an edge. What makes him sing better than me? Something in here. What makes it loud? A microphone. That's his edge. Edge? A gun or a knife, a nightstick, or a razor, something the other guy ain't got.
0: Yeah, a little extra reach on a punch, a set of brass knuckles, a stripe on the sleeve, a badge that says cop on it, a rock in your hand, or a bankroll in your pocket.
1: That's an edge, brother. Without an edge, I no Yeah. yeah so, so, for gaming, I guess if it, it depends what you and your group wants, because a lot of times, noir gets conflated with you, you know, especially you, you look on discussions online and people, oh, so I we can do Sin City. Well, Sin City's not noir, Because <laughs> because right. you've got bigger life characters, and, and you've got yeah. you know you know they're 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 not in they're not nearly in the in the desperate situations that your your characters in, in the noir are. Uh, right. And we're not
0: really talking about the pathetic aesthetic kind of thing mm-hmm. that that we mentioned with Warhammer where kind of the, the game master is expected to make it hard um and surround the characters with with despair and and trouble. But more that um there is a huge risk for an ambiguous reward. Characters are self-motivated, but until play starts, they've been kind of trapped in the same situation. Like they've been in jail. Now they're out. But everyone still sees them as a as a convict. Right? Yeah. And and why are they were they actually guilty? Were they were they falsely accused? And what has happened to them in jail? What have they become? You know, this these kinds of, of issues. And uh or Likewise, the army, mm-hmm. you know, coming back different from how you left. Um, a film that's definitely not noir, but that speaks to me in the same sort of way as, uh, or a book, is *The Razor's Edge*. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: and uh, both you know, both versions are are quite different. The power, the Tyrone Powers version of the Bill Murray version, but uh, on film. But these characters go to war one way, and they come back, you know, very different and. And have a lot of soul searching to do, so world-spanning adventure. Okay. No mythos elements, no magic.
1: Right. Well, and, and and so you need to be able to do that more interpersonal story. You, you know, social combat ends up needing to be just as important as fisticuffs or, or gunplay in, in your normal, right?
0: right? The, um, the threat of violence. Mm-hmm. Seems to fill the same role
1: that violence does in an action movie. Right. Your your relationship maps as, as a GM are going to be huge. I mean, they should be important anyway in any game, r- really. But but even more so here because I mean that's one of the reasons I really like Daniel Bain's Secrets and Lies. Um, of course he did wu which is a, a another right. great light game, but but secrets and lies, have yeah, the relationship map, and, and the whole, you know, you're burning relationships and and you you, you as you go on, you are just trying to stay a little bit ahead so and, and it kind of keeps that the momentum going that that I think Great. you need in a good noir and with with the relationship maps,
0: one thing I think that makes them more fun is if there can be a free hand, so you know such as the game master that that encourages ambiguity where the background characters to get established have overlaps with the player characters that the other player characters are unaware of and this can can come out in play Mm -hmm. uh you know so it you know it it could be uh, affairs of the heart or it could be that you know the the gangster friend that is blackmailing you is also blackmailing your buddy and the and you're both being you know tasked to do things that
1: they don't know, but right. the
0: game I thought that did that really well was Technoir.
1: Mm. Okay. I, I haven't played that, but okay. Uh, I, I'm familiar something. with How it. You no, no, no. Go, no, you're fine. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um Technoir is
0: by Seller Games uh, by a gent named, or it was originally by Seller Games by a guy named Jeremy Keller. It's since been picked up by uh, another company to. To continue and I'm blanking on what that company is it's on the it's on the the pdf now so you can look for tech noir all one word um and so that is a cyberpunk mashup with the hard-boiled detective genre played as noir Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and this is one of those games where if you ever doubted that system matters to your play experience it will very quickly disabuse you of that of that notion it is you can't play it I'm gonna say successfully like enjoyably uh, and have the characters make sense have the system make sense unless you are intending to play as a noir and uh, so with these with these types of characters with the with the Hayes code kind of baked in. And the system itself, um, like Fantasy Flight Games, Star Wars, or or uh, Warhammer 3rd Edition, returns results that are like a second game master in the room, like a game master's assistant, that helps you stay within the atmosphere of the game without being overly controlling or, or intrusive. So, like, baked into the system is the notion of uh, the noir let's say detective character is a pretty tough person and very capable, but they are going to, during the course of that movie, be beat beaten down by the opposition until you think that they're going to die. And then they rally and come back. This is something that Mm -hmm. wouldn't really be necessary without the Hays Code. (laughs) And, uh, so the game system allows for this. So you put yourself in perilous situations. The game system will hammer your character down, but this gives you the the knowledge, the the system tools and, and whatnot to be able to bring about the conclusion that you're that you're going for as the character, you know, to to capture the gangster or to you know break the break the smuggling ring or or whatever. And it's all built on on kind of a live relationship map and an improvised plotting structure and uh so it's it's a really interesting way to describe preparation for play right so that you can improvise with confidence knowing that the system is going to take care of a lot of the genre elements and you can make it a one shot by keeping all the relationship maps really small and so things heat up very quickly or you can turn it into more of a campaign structure by by making more nodes and keeping them uh, farther apart. And it's all visual, like your plot map. Uh, you're not plotting beginning, middle, ending. You're plotting points of contention. Right. Uh, these people know each other and what they don't know is this. And, you know, there's this this product that's being smuggled or there's this person who's being blackmailed or the, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's all these things that can be encountered just naturally in play. That are going to affect the the characters who are in play. So it's it's really clever how it works.
1: Yeah, it it's um so it looks like it's Dream Machine Productions. Dream Machine, yes. Yeah, the company doing it now. This was actually on my list of games that I had considered for this month. I I haven't read it. I it's actually in my my wish list on Drive Through RPG. But but because it was the because of the cyberpunk kind of connotations of it I skipped it for I I didn't prioritize getting it this month because I was trying to hit games that were more film you know the 40s yeah. 50s kind of film Noir thing but this this Do thing consistently yeah I will because it, it this consistently comes up in the searches is one of the better Noir games uh, one of the better systems so, yeah okay well so I, I have one last question mm-hmm. is it possible... is uh, obviously, noir normally would lend itself to like one GM, one player. When, when we think of the movies and we think of these things, it is it possible that you think to do it with a, a larger group? And any thoughts on that?
0: When I did playtesting for Tech Noir, I had five people initially, which uh, by the second time we played, became four people. And it felt better with four than it had with five. And I was thinking when I was playing with four that I wish it had been three. But um, it worked really well with that small group. The problem, I think, with playing solo is... That there are a lot of players, especially like around our age, that the the culture of play is quite private. Mm-hmm. Right. We're quite willing to state action, or we're quite used to stating action. This is what I do, without sharing the character's thoughts, or without sharing the character's emotional state, or 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 even describing what things look like. Right. So you can play for years with people and not know what they think their character looks like. I think that's that's pretty common. Right. Um, but, you know, like, mo- quote, modern examples of play that people get exposed to definitely have people talking about their character in the third person, describing what the character looks like, uh, or being very open about what thoughts are. With uh, noir, unless the game master is in the service industry, uh, you'd want to have that voiceover, right? Like the opening of Blade Runner. You want to have the guy talking to himself. And if if you have a player who's not willing to help create the atmosphere by sharing the conflicted nature or the ambiguous nature of, of their character, then it's not going to feel very much like noir, no matter how many people are, are there, I think. So I think that's a, that's a factor.
1: Yeah, I would agree, and and it's interesting. Some of these games are are designed with that kind of in mind. One game I didn't talk about is, is called um, Fedora Noir. <laughs> and Fedora Noir, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. No. It, um, one of the players plays the detective's hat. It, it, it's set up. <laughs> I, I don't own it. I kind of looked. If you, if you, it's from a company called Less Than Three Games. And it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And and if you go online, that you can actually kind of play through a little bit of it online. They've got like on, an online card deck you can kind of bounce through. So it's worth checking out. But the idea mm-hmm. that one player just is the hat, and so they're narrating the inner thoughts. So the detective, the player playing the the, the PI ah, ah, is doing the PI, that's the, awesome. the, the physical stuff, but they don't get to narrate their thoughts. They get to say what they say. And you know, and the hat can't override what they're physically doing, but the hat gets to do all the narrative on top, right. it, which is such a genius thought, you know. And, and obviously, that's amazing, yeah, yeah, you, you're going to get into comedy a little bit with that, obviously, but it, right, it you're going to so, wind up with Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid if, yeah, the first couple of times, probably, yeah, <clears throat> but, but but it's a genius idea, you know, it, that's it really, really cool. Is. Um, D- Dirty Secrets, the one I talked about with Ray Otis. What, Yes. Earlier is, yeah. is kind of that way too, because it's all you, you know, it's it's ever you're narrating and, and and so because of that narration, the whole built game is built off the narration, you kind you do get to where you should be getting those thoughts. I, I didn't right. say that very well, but you, you know, it no, tries yeah. to get towards the inner monologue there. Yeah. One one that I expected to do it, but that didn't
0: really do it for me. Like it was an excellent description of noir. It it provided all kinds of, of insight into role-playing noir in like the GM section kind of mm-hmm. but the the system itself uh, I, I didn't I didn't really connect with it in that same way and that was uh, a dirty world mm-hmm. you know by Greg Stolze. uh and I, I I don't think this is a bad game. I don't think it's a, a bad way to make the one role engine to make or, Noir, but at the same time, it's not one that I, I, I personally want to play. Like, there's when the dice get rolled. There's so many things to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the two different types of of matching, and and then, uh, do I want to use gobble dice or not? And you know, uh, there's a lot of decisions to go on that are going to separate me from from the character experience. And I think if you want to play, not not noir as an add-on but if you want to play noir as the as the main meat the main the main genre then that the experience of that character the ability to get really close to their perspective is going to be a huge part of of whatever that is so that one kind of put up a barrier of of system between me and the genre
1: i felt yeah that that's interesting uh the before this come on the Actually, this this will come out first. So the Sunday after this interview comes in, after our talk comes out on the twenty seventh. There's a talk with again with Ray Otis where we talk about a dirty world. And oh, cool. Neither of us have played it, so we we've only read it. But we both kind of got to the point. the The takeaway from that was it, it's worth buying. There's there's some great advice in there. The adventure yeah. generator generator at the back of the book right, is amazing. right. Um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's a, a, and it really is a, a a very interesting way to take the one roll engine and use yes. and, and tailor it towards this specific thing because it works, you know, b- because a dirty world definitely does the thing where that witty banner is just as effective as a knife in in somebody's hand. Right. Exactly. It it yeah. it, 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 it solves that problem, but yeah, it, it's one I definitely would like to try someday at the table definitely see. definitely
0: try it yeah. and see what your reaction mm-hmm. reaction to it is because i think at the, the at the point where i intersect with it negatively is just purely preference like of, of how i want to interact with a system in order to get something like if it's purely tactical play you mm-hmm. know like battle tech and you know playing as a, a war game or a skirmish game i want lots of interesting dice options you know starfleet battles whatever when i want to experience the life of the character the it doesn't have to be simple but i shouldn't have to talk about too much. like we were talking about in the in the horror episode i shouldn't have to talk about or ask permission for or negotiate for um uh, things right and uh, it, because that that's me not the
1: character and it's interesting it, it makes you wonder if if you're if the GM and if the players are all on the same wavelength and, and you and you've all bought into the idea of playing noir, do you how much system do you really need to help reinforce that? I've been playing a, a fair no. bit of Boot Hill second edition with, with Daniel Norton or Bandit's Keep. And he occasionally records them, puts them up on, on his YouTube channel. And right. and we did one the other night where and I won't ruin it for the people who are gonna watch it on the YouTube channel, but basically there, there were three players and, and we'd robbed a bank and the game's picks up as we're convert. We had separated and we're converging to hide out to, to divvy up the loot. And then of course right. things go wrong. Right. But, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, boot Hill has no social mechanics at all. It, it's you know, really, it, right. it's a, it's a skirmish game. And, right. but, but that game was just as tense as any game where we're rolling dice to do this or that, or, you know, I'm, I'm, But you don't need rules to, I'm going to perceive motive or I'm going to do this or I'm going to roll my insight. You you don't need any of that. You just, now I'm not against those kind of mechanics. And I think there are benefits to those mechanics, especially when you have players that aren't, you you know, aren't as gifted in that way or aren't as comfortable in doing those things. You don't want to penalize those players. So I'm actually in favor of social mechanics. But if you have a group that are comfortable not using them, not right not using them will enhance the game yeah you know so
0: it's, and there's lots of examples of it you know like the the perception check versus role-playing checking the room right and you know um so I guess in, in this situation in this Boot Hill example we don't need a sense motive or we don't need an insight check the first couple of times mm-hmm. but later on someone might say well you know my character's a really good liar Maybe there should be a role here like that, that, mm-hmm. that urge for engaging the system kind of rises up from the, the murky depths of our, right. <laughs> of our, of our preferences. Like, why is it that, you know, because you know, I'm lying that you, <laughs> that you letting your character know that I'm lying. That's not fair. Right. You know, so Who fair. knows what you can wind up with. But, uh, but yeah, that, that experience uh, where you look back and, and realize what play has been like, you know, and, and how deeply you got into it on a system level or on a immersive in character level or whatever. Um, I, I think that's, that's one of the things that keep us coming back.
1: <laughs> well, a hundred percent. I mean, we I think, I, 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 think most of us have been playing for a while can point at games where we've rolled dice a handful of times that night, or maybe rolled dice once that night or something. And they've still been great yep. games, you, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I want to be precious with your time. We've you you know I I, I don't want to keep you too. I've long. lost track of time, but
0: uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I just had one one thought about yeah. The, um, and then the flip side of that was Palladium fantasy. I know you're running mm-hmm. Palladium fantasy first edition, and and we had a, a lot of fun with that, and we had a lot of fun with second edition, and that was a, a game where I realized that sometimes a lot of dice rolling can be okay because it matches up with what the character's doing. Right, it becomes right. an analog. You know, so when you're rolling dice in, in Palladium, you are you're swinging a punch, and the other guy's you know raising his shield, you know, with the opposed combat check. So um, sometimes you roll dice very little, and sometimes you roll dice a lot. But it's how it how it connects with your imagination. I think that's that's relevant, and so I, that's something I would look for in a noir game is is what it's making me roll for, and what I have to do with the roll. And uh, how my character is built and uh, and that kind of stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. No, I would agree with that. Well, like I say, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. Anytime. So I I will talk to you soon. Is there anything before I let you go? Is there anything you would like to plug? Anything people should be watching out for? no um
0: eventually I will overcome the sporadic nature of of my podcast and YouTube channel <laughs> and put out something new I'm working on some some Star Wars stuff in the background and uh I'm trying to get that ready for for YouTube and uh uh working on some finishing up the horror season for the podcast excellent but
1: yeah I, I it's a busy season it it is the I my understanding is that they should be producing. I know the dice are hard to get right now for Genesis right. and for Star Wars and all, but they should be. Now that I, I think they're starting up, finally starting up production over, I think Edge is the name of the, the, the studios. new studios. Yeah, Edge Studios. Yeah.
0: So they're they're filling up backlogs, you know, so mm-hmm. that the, the books are becoming available again. Still no PDFs. and, uh, and uh, So that makes it challenging. Right. But, uh, but as far as I was concerned, like the line was complete, mm-hmm. you know, like the, um, people, I'm not someone who buys adventures. So for me, there, you know, I, I don't need a setting book for a particular era of, of star Wars. I'll do that. That's something I enjoy doing myself and I don't need an adventure. That's something I enjoy doing, uh, myself in a, in a different way, uh, than books too. So, um, I'm, as long as other people can buy the games, I'm I'm pretty happy. But I know a lot of people are looking forward to new content to use, and I think they still have a
1: long wait ahead of them. Right, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping they get the dice out there. I know I when I picked up Genesis a, a while back, I had to scrounge to find dice. And
0: that yeah, wasn't... it's a real shame.
1: Yeah, I, I mean there isn't one. Obviously, you can get an app to roll the dice and things like that, but it's not <laughs> the same. It's <laughs> no, so. it's not. But it is cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's handy. I mean, well, well, think about it. And, and, and I, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to let you go and we keep talking. That's my fault. But the, you, you know, these days, you know, people talk, what's my travel GM kit and this and that? Or what do you take when you're camping? But your, your, self, your smartphone that we carry in our pocket, you have your whole mm-hmm. library PDFs and you have your die roller and you have, your, you, you know, ev- everything you need. Yes. we We truly live in a, you know, golden age for RPGs, right? It's, it's
0: true. It's true.
1: We do. So, well, thank you. I, I hope you My have pleasure. a great day. You too.
0: Okay, I, I guess your day's over.
1: Bye. Um, yeah, well, it's it's dinner time here. It's and, and folks for for those who don't know, you know, FAB in South Korea. So we, we did this, we recorded this at four PM East Coast time where I'm at in Virginia and six AM <laughs> this time. So <laughs> It's... Right,
0: the sun isn't even up yet. Yeah. So,
1: well, see, you have your whole day ahead of you, so it's good.
0: I do. Another day trapped in the car.
1: There you go. <laughs> you get to listen to podcasts while you drive, so there's always a plus. I do. I do. Excellent. Well, I will talk to you soon. Take care. Take care. Okay, folks. If you have any comments, thoughts on anything we've talked about, there are, I'll have link links where you can reach out to Anthony if you want to do that, or you can call into my show. Um, All the ways to contact me are in the show notes. I want to thank Anthony for coming on. Thank Ray Otis for the coffee cup clip art. TJ Drano for my wonderful music. And I just want to say, be excellent to each other.
0: your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the
1: box? What's in the box? In the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I could see him dead. Bring
0: on the floor, bring on the floor. There is a dustbin your by And it, I'm assuming that your partner back there in the woods Don't look away Don't
1: look away Don't look away Don't look away
0: Well the zombies are arising and the world has gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train red.